Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. It's such an honor to be here today. I love this church so much. You guys are the most encouraging people I think I've ever met in my life. So uh, thank you all for all that you've done and been for our family already. We're excited to be here, and I think we'll probably be here for a long time. So we're excited. Um, Yesterday I was... uh, finishing up the message and I was trying to study and my son kept coming in the room and asking me if I would do something for him and I kept putting him off and I kept saying okay give me 30 more minutes and then and then I'll I'll come out and I'll make you pancakes and then it was well give me 30 more minutes and then I'm trying to I'm trying to work on this I'm trying to work on this and then so I finally had to stop what I was doing because here I am like working on my message about, come on, moms, let's just embrace parenting and let's just, you know, just relish every single moment that we have with our kids. And then I'm sending my kids out the door. So, so finally I uh, put my Bible down and we got on our bicycles and we went to Starbucks and got ourselves some frappuccino. So that was awesome. But as I was preparing for the message, I was thinking about all the things that we get to do as moms, all the great moments, all the challenging moments, all the joys and And I found a a little list of things that moms would actually never say that I wanted to share with you this morning. How on earth can you see the TV sitting so far back? Get right up on that TV, son. (laughs) Yeah, I used to skip school a lot, too. Just leave the lights on. It makes the house look much more cheerful. How about, let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. Go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed and walk him every day. Well, if Johnny's mom said it's okay, that's good enough for me. The curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. My kids would beg to differ. I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. Or don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill is bound to improve. Being a mom is such an awesome joy, and if you're a mom, you know, but you also know it comes with its challenges, and and I do want to be sensitive uh, before we even get into the message today and just say that I know that Mother's Day is not the wonderful, blissful holiday for everyone. For some, it is. I think for some, some women, they had great moms, and they have great kids, and they get together for Mother's Day, and they celebrate, and they do... They do things with their in-laws, and they do things with their parents, and things with their kids, and everyone gets together and has a great time, and that's awesome. That is so wonderful, and I think what the day is meant for, but I also know that Mother's Day is hard for some people, and sometimes your relationship with your mom is maybe not all that you wish it was, and maybe your relationship with your kids is not what you wish it was, so... I just want to say before we start, I do understand those things, and I just want to pray that um, all of us can receive something from the Word of God this morning, because I believe um, He has a message for everyone today. So let's pray before we get started. Father, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for who you are in our life. I thank you for your Word that we can stand on and that we can trust in. And I just pray this morning, God, that you would prepare every heart to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, our message this morning comes from the book of 1 Samuel, uh, mostly from chapter 1. We're going to be talking about Hannah this morning, and I have four things that I want to share with you that I believe 
uh, very important lessons we can learn from Hannah's life. The first one is this. Hannah was troubled. Hannah was troubled. So let me just begin by telling you, if you don't know this about Hannah, Hannah was married to a man who had another wife. So she shared her husband with another woman. And if that's not bad enough, this other woman was able to have children and Hannah was not. And if that's not bad enough, I'm going to read to you from chapter 1, verse 6. So every year the, the families would go and they would make this journey to the temple where they would offer sacrifices. And the Bible tells us, and because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival, her husband's other wife, provoked her year after year in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Okay, so let's just stop right there. Can you imagine sharing your husband with another woman? If that's not bad enough, can you imagine not being able to bear a child with him, but this other woman can? If that's not bad enough, this other woman teases you and torments you every chance she gets. And it's not like she was teasing her about something that didn't really mean anything to her, right? Like, our friends can tease us about things that don't really bother us. Like, one time I decided I was going to try to learn how to use the weed eater by myself. Okay? My husband was not home. And for some reason I decided that I was going to learn how to use the weed eater and that I was sure I was going to be successful at this. I probably called my dad 12 times just for him to help me over the phone learn how to turn it on. I don't remember. But I do know that I nearly chopped the bottom half of the fence off and never tried to do that again. You can tease me about that all day long if you want to because my identity is, is nowhere wrapped up in that. I don't, I don't care if you tease me about that. But to be teased about something that means everything to you has got to be one of the worst kinds of pain a person could imagine. So she wept to the point that she could not eat. And I wonder what it is that troubles you. I wonder what it is that you lay in bed at night worried about crying about, unsettled about, concerning your children? Because we all have those things. From one time to another, there are things about our kids that we could just weep and weep and weep about. Sometimes it doesn't take much. Sometimes all we have to do is get a phone call from the school, and that's like the last straw. Our kid did something, and we have to hear about it from the teacher. Sometimes the neighbor has to call us and let us know what our kid did. Or sometimes it's not something our child did. Sometimes somebody did something to our child. And, and, and somebody was mean to our child to the point that we're devastated. So what is it that concerns you the most about your child? Is it your fear? Your fear that maybe for some reason God's grace is not enough in your parenting? For Hannah, her greatest trouble was that she could not have a child. She wanted one so badly, and she was teased 
by this other woman. And she cried into the point that she could not eat. But Hannah didn't just cry about it. The Bible says that she cried out to God. She cried out to God. In verse 10, the Bible says, In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you would only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. But then she says this, the Bible says this, and she kept on praying. Okay, so she didn't just pray, not get the answer that she wanted, and then forget about it. No, she kept on praying. She kept on praying. And the Bible says that Eli, the high priest who was there, he saw what she was doing. And it says, Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Have you ever cried that ugly cry to the point that if somebody saw you, they would think you were on something, right? Right? I have done this over my kids. They would be mortified if they woke up in the middle of the night and they saw me next to their bed bawling my eyes out to God. But I have done it. I have done this. My heart has been so broken for my kids that I have gone into the rooms at night and I have just wept to God and said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know. My heart is broken. I don't know what to do. If I could, if I could just do anything to fix this, I would, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I'm not talking about just being dramatic here. I'm not talking about drama for the sake of drama, okay? I'm talking about our faith. I'm talking about going to that place with God in our faith that says, God, I acknowledge that you are God and I am not. And you can do what I can't do. That's our faith in action. No, our faith doesn't always look like that. We don't always have to throw ourselves on the floor and bawl our eyes out. But when we do, when we do, when that's us and God... And we just lay it all out there. We just pour it out to God. That is powerful. That place of intimacy and vulnerability with God. Something happens when we do that. When we take our greatest anguish, our greatest problems to God, and we just pour it out to him. He hears us. He is merciful to us. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So two things. First, we believe he exists. We believe that he is God and we are not. But secondly, we believe that when we go to him, he's not just sitting up on his throne hearing us. He's not just sitting there just patting us on the head. Oh, now, now, don't cry. No, the Bible says he, we believe he exists, but he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, that we go to him and we go to him and we go to him. We pray and we pray and we pray. And sometimes we cry and we cry and we cry. 
And in his timing and in his way, he comes through for us. He comes through for us in his way, in his timing. The Bible says that Hannah, okay, let me go back to the, to the text here. So Eli asks her, how long, how long have you been getting drunk? How, get rid of your wine. In verse 15, Hannah says, not so. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went away and she ate something and her face was no longer downcast. See, something happens when we go to that place with God and we pour ourselves out to him and we cry out to him and we ask him to help us and we ask him to intervene for us. Something happens. Our countenance changes. If we'll just stay there for a little while, our countenance changes. Why? Because we have peace. Because if we just stay for long enough, we come away with peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God and then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's our promise. Okay, so I want to be careful here when I say, let's just keep going to God, keep going to God, keep going to God, and eventually he's going to do what we want him to do. Okay, I don't preach that. Because I don't believe that's what the Bible says. But we trust in the character and the nature of God enough to go to him and go to him and go to him and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. So Hannah was a woman of prayer. I don't know about you, but this is hard for me sometimes as a mom. It's hard for me sometimes to go to him in prayer and and just take those birds to him. Because what do we like to do as women? We want to go to our friend. We want to go talk to our counselor. We want to get out our parenting book. All good things. Okay? I have some great parenting books that I can recommend that I have learned a lot from. But there is no substitution for the real thing. I was thinking today about how my, my husband told me yesterday, we were talking about cooking, and, and he said, you know, we really just need a cast iron skillet. And I was thinking, you know, my great-grandmother would roll over in her grave if she saw all of our little contraptions in our kitchen, like our grilled cheese maker and our omelet maker right. and our quesadilla maker and on and on and on, right? She would come into my kitchen and make me get rid of all of those gadgets and tell me to get out a cast iron skillet. Okay, there's no substitute for the real thing. And when we go to God in prayer, we're we're going to the real thing. That's the real thing that's going to give us peace. Because you can call your friend and you can blah, 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 blah about your situation. But when you hang up the phone, there's probably something. There's probably still a void there. And then you're going to go call someone else. Then you're going to go find your book and find something in your parenting book about what to do. But Hannah was a woman of prayer. 
She wept to the point that she could not eat. And she prayed. And she cried out to God. So she was troubled and she was prayerful. And then one day, Hannah had a son. She had spent time with God year after year, day after day. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And then one day she got a word from God. And sometimes we get that. Sometimes we get that word from God. And we just go away with peace and we just know that we just, we know that was from God, whether it was between us and him or somebody spoke something to us. But we always have the assurance that we will have peace. We always have the assurance, whether we get that specific rhema word from God or not, we know what he promises us in his word. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will work all things together for good according to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We, we, we can rest in the assurance of who God is all the time. But for Hannah, God gave her a son. And she was grateful. She was grateful. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 22. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Okay, so first and foremost, the moment that she was given this gift from God, she did not want to forget ever that this was a gift from God. She had prayed for this, and God had been gracious to her to give her what she asked for. So as we read in our text, so she She's given this child. She names him Samuel. And then right after that, the Bible says that as her husband was getting ready to make this annual trip again to go and offer sacrifices to the Lord at the temple, that Hannah says to him, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. And her husband says, do what seems best to you. Stay here. Until you have weaned him, only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home, and she nursed her son until she had weaned him. What I love about this is that Hannah knew. She had this much time. She had this much time with her kids. She knew from day one, I'm going to take this baby. I'm going to hold him. I'm going to take care of him, and I'm going to relish this time because I know he's not always going to be here. And Samuel was a human baby just like yours and mine. He had dirty diapers. He cried. He was probably sick. He probably threw up on her. He was hungry. He needed changed. He needed fed. All of those things. He went through his terrible twos, right? If my husband was going to go make a journey across town, I'd probably go, want to go with him. I'd probably want a chance to get out of the house. Hannah said, no, I want to stay right here because I have such a short amount of time with this baby. And I'm going to take in every moment, the good, the bad, the ugly, the diapers, being sick. Psalm 127.3, children are a heritage from the Lord and offspring are a reward from him. Do we believe that even in those hard moments? Sometimes I I know. (laughs) I've been a mom for 18 years. I had four little children at one time. Now they're four growing children. I know it's hard. 
I know you're tired. If you're a young mom, I just want to tell you, you're not always going to be this tired. You're not always going to be this sleep deprived. But take those moments in. Take it in and have that perspective that Hannah had that I'm only going to have this much time. She knew that he was there for just a season of life. And it doesn't mean she stopped being a mom. She didn't stop being a mom later on. We never stop being a mom, do we? But I love this about her. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hannah was grateful. She was grateful for those few years that she had. And she did not take them lightly. And then the boy was weaned, and she took him to the temple. Hannah was faithful to God to do what she said she would do and what she should have done. Verse 27, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. When the time came, and I believe Hannah knew when it, when it was time, I don't believe she drug her feet. I don't believe she made excuses. I don't believe she, she fought with God for more time and tried to negotiate this. I believe that she knew when it was time to take her child to the temple to give him to the Lord. And you know what? <laughs> when she dropped off her child... She busted into a song of praise to God. Can you imagine that? My 18-year-old will tell you, this mom has not had an easy time letting go of being a mom and letting, letting her go and spread her wings and learn how to be independent and learn how to face the world. It's a crazy world that our kids have to face. And as moms, we are called to be watchful and, and prayerful and protective, but underscoring all of that is a heart that has to say, God, I'll do the best that I can, but I will, I will surrender this child to you. I will give him, I'll give her into your hands, into your arms, because I know that this child is yours. I have a friend who told me about going on a missions trip one time, and I remember her saying this was years ago, when things were different and, and she said we would go on mission trips and then some people would bring a baby back with them, right? You guys have probably heard stories like that. I don't think it's quite that easy anymore. I don't think you can just go to another country and always just, you know, grab a child and bring them back. But that, that is how it was at one time. And, and I remember her saying we would go on these missions trips and as we were leaving to get back on the bus, women would be lined up holding out their babies to us and saying, would you please just take my child? Please just take him, just take her to a complete stranger. Why? Because they knew, they knew that 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 woman or that man had more resources and more capability and more power to do more for that child than they ever could. They knew that that child would be 
better fed and better dressed and healthier and be given more opportunities. Just here, would you please just take my child? When she said that, I thought, we can't even do that with God. We can't even go to God and say, I, I, I just, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of the control. I'm not going to try to figure this out on my own. I'm not going to try to make this work on my own, God. I'm just going to trust you with my child because you are more capable. You are more powerful. And you can do more in her and through her than I could ever do. Can we do that with God? But Hannah, Hannah took her precious little child to the temple and she left him there in service to God. He stayed at the temple in full-time ministry and she praised God for it. And God blessed her even more because later on, Hannah went on to have five more kids and, and, and Samuel, Samuel was a great, uh, great prophet and, and so many great things came from that. But can you imagine just surrendering your child like that to God? And I think that we, every day, from the time our kids are very little, we have got to learn this. We have got to learn that in everything, underscoring all of our efforts as moms is the grace of God in their life and our trust in him. And I'm not saying we're neglectful. I'm not talking about just, oh, I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to trust God and, and not try to make wise decisions. No, I believe we're called to be watchmen day and night. We've got to pay attention. We've got to be careful. We've got to ask God for wisdom and guidance, and we've got to have mentors in our life, and we've got to stay in the word. But when my kids come to me and they want to have a sleepover somewhere, there's a whole list of questions that I need answers to before I'll even consider them going and staying the night somewhere else. Drives my kids insane. But that's our job as a mom. But even in that, I realize there are no guarantees. I'm not in control here. So we're going to do the best that we can as moms and dads to be the best parents that we can be through the power of the Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, we have to trust in God because we're trusting in the word of God and we're trusting in his grace. Because you and I have failed as parents. My kids could tell you so many ways that I have fallen short. But I truly believe that if we will just, if we just care this much, just this much, we just, we just do the best we can. We try to have Christ-centered homes. We, we just stay connected to God. We, we cry out to him in our troubles. We trust him. We're grateful. We're prayerful. I just believe the grace of God covers all of our weaknesses, all of our shortcomings, all of our mistakes. Think about where you are today. Where should you be today? I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be alive. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, whether you had a a godly mother or father or you didn't, Think about where you probably should be today were it not for the grace of God. And can you trust that same grace of God for your kids? Can we trust that same grace? Hannah's story really comes down to this. She took in those moments as a mom and she was grateful for him. And she trusted God. She trusted him. She didn't stop being a mom. 
The Bible says that year after year, from then on, every time she went back to visit, she brought her son a robe, a special robe that she had made for him. She didn't stop being a mom. We never stop being a mom. But we embrace each role through each season. Because sometimes I have this tendency to think like this. I'll just be glad when blank. I'll just be glad when there's no more diapers. I'll just be glad when she's sleeping through the night. I'll just be glad when she can sit up on her own. I'll just be glad when she's walking. I'll just be glad when she's in her own bed. I'll just be glad when she's out of my bed. I'll just be glad when, 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 when. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss it if we do that. I want to close with this. It's one of my favorite poems by Susan Linsky. It's called My Boy. I look at the shiny, shaggy hair and round, blue-gray eyes, the small pink tongue struggling impatiently against tiny white teeth to form a word, to convey an exciting newborn thought, the broad little boy hand covered with dirt, reaching to touch my cheek and suddenly I realize the astounding responsibilities that are mine before that hand expands to a man's hand oh God hold my son's hand while he crosses the danger filled street into manhood this was to be my stay at home and get a few things done day That would be fine except for one thing. I have a toddler who wants to help me. I finish the washing and he struggles the piles of clean clothes toward their dresser drawers. I suppose a hundred years from now, I won't care that they started the trip out neatly folded. I sweep the floor and he insists on helping me by emptying the dustpan. In the overall scheme of things, I suppose the fact that he dumped the dirt back into the floor is relatively unimportant. I begin mixing the ingredients for yeast rolls, and he insists on adding the flour. If I look at the situation optimistically, unbleached white is a good color for me. I do know he's really trying, Lord, and I know he needs practice to learn, but it would truly be so much easier if I could simply do it myself. And then I watched, filled with apprehension, As he teeters toward me, his chubby hands cupping those fragile eggs. And suddenly I'm aware that you, God, have entrusted me with the fragile life of this child. Guide me, Lord, as I help my little helper become your man.